Welcome aboard our vessel. I'll be your cook. Join me and my trusty ally the captain as we set sail through our relationship with music, film, literature and everything in between, as well as our ongoing exploration into mental health and well-being. Anchors up! We go again! <laughs> so Aaron, we're, we're back. We're back after, after having Elton on last week, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's Let's start off. Let's see. Obviously, the shipmates would have noticed that last night we put on your drawing, you know, from your challenge. Yes. How did you find it? How did you find the process? You know what? I remember, like you said, you did this with a poem, didn't you, on the Nina Simone mm. uh, episode from the first season? And uh, I'd never done anything, you know, like it before. I thought the song I went for is the song we're going to use today. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I know we released last night, we're going to be talking about Joy Division, but the specifics and the lyrics and stuff I'll talk about in a bit. But that song has, has always been, it's one of my favourite songs um, and it's so atmospheric. Mm. I found that the drawer, I don't know, like it, it probably went a little bit dark, um, yeah. but that's just the moment I was in the song. I know in the background of the song, I think it probably... Mm altered my and shifted my perception but it's so interesting just to obviously I to open my ears to like obviously draw the bits I want to draw but then in between just closing drawing another line you know deciding what to write on there yeah just a it's a it's an interesting experience that I found so listening to music and writing poetry or drawing and something is something I'm going to explore more I think as, as, as time goes on Fab. so uh yeah and um obviously with you was, I suppose it was a kind of journaling wasn't it it was getting you to reflect really in the mornings on your previous day mm -hmm. and how you could then bring that bring that into your into the, the next day really so yeah how did you find your experience yeah so I I altered it a tiny bit so okay. I didn't write it down I kept it sort of in I thought I'd have a go at keeping it in the head instead you know and holding mm -hmm. on to things and yeah the, I mean the switch I made the reason is I know if I if I think of something that I would have changed I'll always just be thinking of hindsight and going very negative on myself. So what okay. I did is I woke up and said, right, what went well last yesterday? You no, know, it's like, I suddenly see like, oh, I actually ripped up part of the garden. And then it's, yeah. And then it was, what's my objective to improve upon? So I sort of changed the terminology for sort of an objective, you know, what, what did I want to improve on? And, you know, one of them was actually, it sounds stupid, but actually take time to have a coffee because I didn't one day I just got up right. straight to work I was like oh actually I haven't had that so I was waking up in the morning and just reminding myself of an achievable objective you know something yep. that I missed out on the day before you know and looking at yeah. it looking at it that way you know and it it was useful it was just a nice quick check-in in the mornings actually you know and just a tiny it's bit of mindfulness and just pausing quick like okay yeah cool let's go it's remembering to give yourself like a pat on the back so i remember you yeah. were really proud of taking your garden because you've been putting it off for a while haven't you and yeah. it's like how do i even start we were having conversations where i did my garden a little while ago my mom and dad. there's little things to go you know what i've made progress now and now i've got a path to making it right but yeah. also like you said we, we talk about the stopping for a coffee all the time but it's such a quick thing you can give yourself yeah. back isn't it so i'm glad mate i'm well done on that yeah and i think it's noting as well that we I mean, we, we had our first like professional meeting as well, didn't we, this week? So, we did. Yeah. We did. We did. We met. And we're going to keep it mysterious at the moment. It is, we? yeah. but, uh, Almost like uh, an injunction, we... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We'd be gagged. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but, uh, 
we've um, no, no, we wanted to do something a bit different in this season, didn't we? We wanted to give back a little bit mm. um, to the listeners and, and the shipmates who've been so supportive since since day one. It continues to grow. Um, so I think probably as we approach the second half of this season, um, we'll be able to give more details. But there will be an opportunity for shipmates to say to get some exclusive should we say merch merch yeah a, collab- <laughs> a collaboration and um okay. yeah yeah so we'll keep, so I... keep watching the socials you know and we'll we'll start dropping a few hints here and there and yeah see where it goes okay so it's time captain to bring uh, someone else uh, on on board uh, we kicked some off kicked some people off in season one but then we probably bought such a massive character in episode one he's yeah. just taken up a bit, a bit of space with his ego isn't he elton yeah. so i um, mean the the, war, the the storage units are uh, getting a bit smaller now on the ship with all these costumes so <laughs> <laughs> but no we um we carry on now and um this is someone I've wanted to do, do an episode on since day one, effectively, since when we sort of birthed the idea of the podcast. Um, and it's Joy Division, effectively, a band whom, whom I hold very dear to myself, but particularly the lead singer Ian Curtis and, and his story. So again, a bit like Elton, going to keep this quite short, Captain. And then we, because there's loads of themes. I know you've been diving in as well the last um, in the last couple of weeks. So um, Ian Curtis, lead singer, frontman of Joy Division. I mean, when Joy Division was formed, it's actually formed by the uh, bass player and the guitarist uh, Peter Hook and Bernard Sumners. Um, they'd been friends since they were 11, but they saw the Sex Pistols in the mid-70s in Manchester and just mm. loved that punk attitude of like, doesn't matter, we can do this. They were like looking at them yeah. on stage going, we can do that. Um, so they like formed a band there and then and like, right, we need to get a singer and we need to get a drummer. Um, and they advertised for a singer and Ian phoned up um, and they sort of like accept him on the spot because they just like the way that he articulated himself um, and everything else. But Ian's background, I mean, he was born on the 15th of July, 1956. He had a, so he was at a flair for poetry from a young age. He was given a scholarship at Macclesfield Independent King School um, and he developed interest in philosophy, uh, literature. He liked like the glam rock scene, like David Bowie and the Doors and things like that. But I was, I was interested to read through his sort of teen years that he was a habitual thief. So um, he used to steal, steal things all the time. So from example, records, you know, music, uh, vinyl records, um, he would steal them because he never had enough money to buy them. So he'd just go nick them. Um, and also there was a story where he did some community service at a care home um, and he stole some pills when he was 16 years old from the care home, which resulted in needing his stomach pumped. It's basically he was found on his bedroom floor um, and he was taken to hostel to have his stomach pumped. So I was sort of his first first brush with death. Um, even though he's very educated, very well with his O levels and A levels, he sort of got disillusioned with it. Um, he was into art and he was he carried on writing and wanted to pursue a career in, in music, um, but he didn't want to carry on that through the education system. So he got a job in a record shop in Manchester um, and then eventually became a civil servant and he became an assistant disablement resettlement officer, which sounds so 1984. Yeah. Um, marries his teenage sweetheart, De- Debbie Woodruff, um, in 1976 he's only 19 then um and they re- after so in this meantime he meets what would become joy division mm. um and he actually raises money from the bank 
to pay for the pressing of their of their first <laughs> single, which is which is really interesting. Um, now we should say with Joy Division, they were called Warsaw before in nineteen when they formed, okay. but there was another band in Lo- London called the Warsaw mm. Pact on the right. punk scene. Um, so they'd been reading a book called House of Dolls, Bernard Sumner, um, and there was a phrase in there about Joy Divisions. And they were basically brothels of Jewish women that Nazi soldiers attended. So okay. the, the darkness in that name, but if you hear Joy Division, I know you're going to bring a couple of bits yeah. on that in a minute, aren't you? But, but it's just such a weird, but a great name. You know, if you hear that, that's like Joy, Joy Division. It just stands out immediately. But the, the story behind is a little bit darker. Anyway, over time, I mean, they smash it, Joy Division. We'll go into that in a little bit more. I don't want to get too nerdy on them because when I get started, I don't stop. But from Ian's perspective, it was clear that he sort of suffered from parts bipolar, um, depression, and the epilepsy. He basically had epilepsy and during live shows, he would have grand mal seizures, you know, um, where he would, where he would sort of seize up um, on the spot and just like, you know, have a, have a terrible seizure. Um, and that was getting worse at the end of 1978. And he got diagnosed in 1979 from there. He was given so many different medications and that sort of made his mood swings kick in. Um, he's carried on drinking and smoking. He had irregular sleep patterns. When he had his daughter in the April of 79, they, they wouldn't, didn't, he couldn't barely hold her because they were scared the seizure would start and, and obviously would, would hurt his daughter. Um, and he was getting two grand mal seizures in a week. Um, towards the end of 1979, he also starts a relationship with another woman, not his wife. And that sort of causes, obviously, another dynamic to his life. His, his marriage was already really falling apart anyway. Um, but still, bringing that in then, and, and the song Love Will T- Tear Us Apart is all about that, um, which my, my God's in a minute. But um, there was one time we had such, he, he'd attempted to take his own life um, and, and, and had failed. And there was sort of a, a night after it where they had a gig and they brought in another lead singer to sing on it. And Ian watched from the side of the stage and he commented after it. He felt like he was watching from above the band going on without him he felt as he, he sort of felt epilepsy was going to ruin his, his his career like he'd gone as far as he could they just finished the second album called close closer which was going to be another groundbreaking post-punk album after unknown pleasures which was the first one um but he just felt pinnacle peak reached yeah. it can't go any further they played their final gig on my birthday actually in 1980 the second of may in birmingham university um and in the end then on the 18th of may the night before they're about to go to america and tour um he, he hangs himself effectively in the kitchen and, and his wife debbie debbie finds him so i'll take a step back but yeah you um so i know you've been reflecting on a lot with ian um what, what what's your thoughts really yeah i mean it's it's interesting sort of when we when we look at him and then relating him back to almost Keith Moon, you know, and the the way people didn't maybe didn't understand some of the bits, you know, like you mentioned yeah. around the bipolar, you know, and some of his behaviors, but also with with the epilepsy as well, you know, and the fact that yes, it could be used as an excuse in some ways, but also he was probably paranoid about having those seizures and having those seizures yeah. live. And I, you know, I dived in because I was like, okay, well. I know you know a lot about Ian Curtis, about Joy Division. So I thought, well, let's have a little look at his daughter, you know, and how she yeah. is, you know, and how she's found it. And I found an article and like she says, a, a lot of people ask her, why did he kill himself? And she says that it's obvious to her was because that he was depressed and, and that he used to drink a lot before performing. Um, yeah. So that was um, when the guitar, well, it's a Bernard Sumner um, yeah. meant, spoke to her about that. And she said that part of that could have been the reason for the onset of the seizures. 
because it's something that can mm. bring it on. It's pre-drinking. Um, but also you've got flashing lights, you've got lack of sleep, you've got stress, you've basically got what it is to perform life. You know, alcohol, yeah, yeah. lights, stress, lack of sleep, you know, that's that's a tour, essentially, you know, and yeah. that's what they yeah going through. And yeah, so I think that was part of it. But she's also said she doesn't feel angry at him for doing it. Yeah. You know, she it's funny. Which is interesting. And that you know, I'm, I'm touching on this, you know, and we'll go on to other bits, but um, the fact that the bands blame themselves for not recognizing yeah. it and not taking his, yeah. you know, not taking some of the you know, reading into things right. But she said that they, they shouldn't feel guilty because they were so young at that time. You know, they were yeah. so young to be able to recognize signs like that, you know, when it's not as publicized as it is nowadays, you know, especially recently, you know, there's a lot more yeah. coming out about recognizing signs and suicide and things, you know, and just how she doesn't, yeah, she, she doesn't blame them, but yeah, the, it's, it's something sort of like known as survivors of suicide and the guilt you can feel afterwards, you know, it's like, oh, why yeah. didn't we do this? Why couldn't we do this? And why didn't we recognize it? So yeah, that was the first thing that really stood out to me, but then also, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about the lyrics, you know what, mm. what he writes and today um i was listening to the albums and 24 hours and there was suddenly a lyric that i was like if i wasn't driving on the motorway i would have stopped because i don't think i yeah. should really stop on the you know going down the motorway <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it says um now i've realized how it's all gone wrong gotta find some therapy this treatment takes too long yeah it's it's you know, it's, 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 it's honestly... all there it's all there in the lyrics isn't it well Annie Connor, who he'd sort of sort of started a romantic relationship with she was from belgium she'd seen them perform live in belgium sort of towards the end of 79 she was captivated by him and, and for anyone we're going to put a couple of links in from some live performances the documentary joy division is on prime which is the official yeah. one with the band and not some of the stuff we're referencing today but he was captivating right like this man on stage but she said she'd raised concerns to tony wilson who was the, the one of the owners of factory records obviously and, and worked with joy division the the lyrics she said they're warnings like she was really concerned you know and you're absolutely right with 24 hours is one of them there's another one you're the first song the album which is a great song it's called atrocity exhibition um and it's like it says here for entertainment they watch his body twist Behind his eyes, he says, I still exist. This is the way he step inside. In arenas, he kills for a prize, wins a minute to add to his life. But the, sick, but the sickness is drowned by cries for more. Pray to God, quit, uh, make it quick, watch him fall. And this is at the time, he's writing these as he's building towards, obviously, he's obviously already having these dark thoughts, you know. Um, he's struggling. And you were right there, what you said about, he, he felt, and he mentioned this, that, that he was going to be ridiculed when he went to America. He was he was scared of flying, number one, mm. and they were going to fly there. He'd asked about going on a boat, but they were going to fly because it was cheaper. He was scared that the American public would start to get hold of the information around epilepsy. And obviously, the way he danced was very unique, right? And mm. they show clips of him dancing. You can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. But they, it was talked about that that was to replicate an epileptic fit. You know, that's what he would do. And they'd quite often start their sets with a song called Dead Souls because it had a like a three minute build up before the lyrics okay. kicked in. He'd stand on stage and you can see him sort of sometimes jigging around and trying to get into it and feel the crowd. It, that was purely for Ian to try and mm. ready himself like before, before he goes from the nerves and everything else. Mm. But he was just really, and then it's the eve of, like I can't express this enough to people. 
the, the early hours of the morning that he, that he took his own life, they were meant to be going to Manchester Airport that day. And he apparently, if you listen to the band, they talked about he'd obviously gone on reassuring them, saying how excited mm. he was. I'll see you at the airport. I can't wait to be there. But he'd obviously already decided what, what he was going to do, hadn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting with um, when you look at seizures as well. You know, I, mm. I, it's just come to me, you know, I worked with a couple of clients with it. And there was one gentleman I can always remember where his seizure would be to freeze so he, he initially just start laughing and laughing and laughing and then I know people can't see it but he'd laugh and he it was just that and he was just so tense and I think it's that recognizing for some people that a seizure isn't just falling on the floor you know no, and it's, no. it's that sort of thing and it's there's very different different ways you know people can have seizures you know so like you were saying sort of the way he dances and things is partly to you know could be to replicate sort of epilepsy and and the seizure and stuff and you know it it could be ways you know I'm a lot about movement it could be ways of actually moving and releasing the bit his body a bit and loosening up where he's the stiffness comes up from after a seizure it's actually I need to loosen up a little bit as well you know and that's why the definitely yeah definitely and if you look at like you know they he was still pretty much working as a civil Mm. servant but then at this at the time where um you know he, he dies he they, they're building towards stardom where their lives will change directly mm. forever you know so you know you wouldn't have probably had to carry on working as a civil servant yeah. you know like that but he was struggling to juggle everything like you know he was saying like the the weight of the pressure on the band i mean this guy could have been like one of the great poets well he already is because mm. his caption is lyrics but his the, a lot of the music that he wrote like the band always say, they look back, they go, God, did he write that? Like, that's what you yeah. were saying earlier about the band. Like, should, we should have, we should know, but they're like, we were just having fun. It was the music. It was like, you know, and a lot of the time, like even that Tony Wilson says there, when a Neek goes to him and says, I'm concerned, you know, he's saying it was almost like, I've said, oh, oh, love it. It's just art. It's, mm. it's just art. Like, you know, yeah. like literature, it's just art. But actually we've talked a lot in the past about masks, haven't mm-hmm. we? You know, a lot mm-hmm. about masks. Yeah. I think with Ian genuinely, he's like, that's Ian Curtis at all times. He is one of those people who is just saying, this is me. And I don't think he was actually massive, but no one was really list- truly listening, if mm. that makes sense. So they were yeah. missing it because yeah. um, they were all swept up in the, well, yeah, it's dark. It's different. It's, it, I relate to it. I like it. But it's just mm. art. It's just art. You know, let's just yeah. enjoy the music. And how interesting is that? And also you said about Joy Division. You, I remember you. one of the first things you texted me was the name as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just, for me, it's the juxtaposition of when you listen to their music and then you think of the word joy. <laughs> you know, and it's, mm. it is very, I, for me, when I listened, again, it depends on the environment, but it was quite haunting. Yeah, you know, sort of listening to it, especially I think because I know what happens and I yeah. know the story. But the, just the difference if you've got joy in this happiness, but then you've got division, which can be separating things and taking things apart and pulling things apart, you know. And it's that the difference with those two. But again, going back to House of Dolls and sort of yeah, just the crudeness behind that description yeah. of what the Joy Division actually was, you know, and things and. I will, I'll, I'll bring it, you know, I'm sure a few people know, you know, the Wombats obviously released the song Let's Dance to Joy Division. I've yeah. mentioned it to you before, and it's just, it kind of ticks in with sort of listening to Joy Division, then the lyrics they put is, let's dance to Joy Division, and... <sighs> Celebrate the irony, everything is going wrong, but we're so happy. happy. Yeah. 
thank you you saved me there so yeah but it is it's celebrating the irony you know it's everything's going wrong but we're so happy you know and it just I don't know I, I haven't got a lot more to say sort of diving into that it just stood out for me definitely you know, you know what you you're, like the names and everything are so important mm. right you know that they they define you like they were called Warsaw first like to me it's not a great name it's just a, a place yeah. somewhere you know it doesn't stand out you know um and luckily they changed that and they come across this book and it comes from such a dark source. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, that would have caused so much pain for a lot of people. But, and they did, didn't they? In that early days, they, they some, you know, part of the punk scene really at the time, but like Nazi imagery and things like that, mm. you know, and mm. one of their managers came, I think it was Rob Gretton. He said, drop the Nazi stuff. Like, you know, cause there was yeah. the first single that they released. They had a Hitler youth drumming on the front. The yeah, the cover, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on the first single. And he said, let's repress that as a 12 inch and just change the look, you know, and and you know what? Luckily, they did. Another thing we should touch on, actually, probably is on musically, because I mean, I, I'm, I am going to say this now, you know, I'm I geek out on them. I understand that this is not easy music to get into and someone might put it on and it's not for them. That's not the, the yeah. point. Yeah. You know, the story behind people, they're still referred to refer to now they hooked up with um, a producer called martin hannett and he talked about how he was using like mind-blowing technology but he was also recording like lift shafts go up and down mm. he made ian curtis sing through a telephone because he wanted distance on certain yeah. songs um changing the way drums sounded forever if you put on unknown pleasures the first track disorder you would not be surprised if that was heard on the radio as a new, new release now because the drums are so modern in there. Um, so he he sort of helped. He's, you know, like how they say George Martin's the fifth Beatle. Yeah. Martin Hannett was like the fifth member of Joy Division. But then he went on to produce people like, well, he went on with New Order because obviously mm -hmm. after Ian Curtis died, the rest of the band went on and did New Order and defined electronic dance music yeah. and Martin Hannett stuck with them. But that whole Mads Chester scene, he also produced people like Happy Mondays and stuff like that. He's got his own tragic story. He died young from, from alcohol and heroin abuse. But, you know, the, the story behind Joy Division for me and the music, and I tried to encapsulate in a lyric, and I talked about in the introduction when I draw the, the picture which we put on last night. I'm not a great drawer, by the way, but it was just do mad doodles. Um, was Atmosphere. Um, this song, for me, um, well, I mean, the lyrics, I'll just read the start with people. Walk in silence. Don't walk away in silence. See the danger, always danger, endless talking, life rebuilding. Don't walk away. And they'd recorded that for a French label, which was recent, like the March before he died. So there was like 1,500 copies of it out mm. there. But John Peel, the legendary radio DJ, played it. After he died, it became like his requiem, yeah. right? So like, you know, they released it then on factory records after. And the video to that is so haunting. Like there's black and white hooded figures just walking across me, holding up images of Joy Division and holding mm -hmm. up images of like of, of Ian Curtis. For me, that was just crazy as well to see that. Absolutely yeah. crazy. And if I mean, if if you carry on with the lyrics again, it's it's worn like a mask of self hate, confronts mm -hmm. and then dies. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's there, there's so much, and there's a lot for me that came out you know, watching the documentary and things about how they, they seem to live in the moment. Mm. You know, they really seem to just whatever was happening at that time, they went for it and they did it from like watching the Sex Pistols and then just thinking, oh, let's let's just go, you know, let's, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. let's just go for it, you know, and really living. And then it's all, it's interesting that where he was very much living in the moment when he had to prepare for it all, it was too much. Yeah. You know, when he had to prepare for it, you know, it, it was too much for him you know it was thinking it was planning 
forward, maybe too far for him. I don't know. You know, we don't have the answer, but yeah. He sort of, yeah, he sort of like they were all riding the wave, weren't they? I suppose mm-hmm. to, a, to, to, to a degree. And, and you're absolutely right. And I think like, you know, some of the photos, the famous photos with it on the bridge in Manchester with the snow, that was caught by chance again in the moment. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the photographer, Kevin mm-hmm. Cummins, for enemy said, I just, I was, they were waiting for me on the bridge. Yeah. And it's the one on Level Terrace Apart. We all know the image when we see it. But it's just, again, bang, I took that photo, it became famous. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Straight away. Also, like the impact on art, they, they, you know, Peter Savile, the, Peter Savile, the, like he worked with Factory X, designed a lot of their stuff. The um, front cover for sort of unknown pleasures, if you do, like, you don't know it, when you see it, you're like, oh, right, that's the Joy Division Unknown Pleasures album cover, you know, which has become famous. It's not, you go in H&M probably to, like, to online and you'll get a T-shirt of it for 12 quid or whatever. Yeah. But it was white and black. It was in a textbook about um, it was successive pulses from the first pulsar discovered, right? Um, and it was caused by rapidly spinning a rapidly spinning neutron star. But all he did on that image from this encyclopedia was reverse it so that it was black background with white. Mm. Um, and it's just a small print in the middle of the 12 inch thing. They don't even have their name on it or anything. And it's so iconic. And Peter Sauer said, because he was friends with, he knew the people from Joy Division, he knew the kind of music they were making. They said, oh, I was invited down to listen to it after I did, after I knew what I was going to pick for the cover. I said, I didn't, I didn't know if I could listen to an hour of Joy Division. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he knew the kind of music. But he said, as soon as it kicked in, yeah, I had the image. Again, you just said mm. it, mate, living in the moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Reacting. Yeah. So the lasting legacy, I think, from my perspective, I sent you an interesting article. I don't know if you got around to reading it, but hip hop took a little bit of a change sort of 10 years ago and rappers like um, uh, Vince Staples and Danny Brown and that came around and then started citing Ian Curtis as like an influence and rap and this kind of music couldn't be further apart. But when rappers started getting a bit more introspective in their lyrics and started to bring out a bit more, rather than just saying, I've got all this money, I've got all these cars, I've got all these houses and using that formula for hip hop, started to get a little bit more around, well, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to show a bit of myself here and get a bit more introspective. Danny Brown called his album Atrocity Exhibition, which was the first track, like I said yeah. to you, off the, yeah. off the album cl- Closer. So, you know, it, it's still having an impact. Way, I mean, they were only around from 1977, I mean, late 1977 to 1980, and it mm. finished abruptly. But then we've talked about in the past, probably Kurt Cobain to uh, so Nirvana to Foo Fighters. Mm. We got New Order after it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And who, who would have thought uh, John Barnes could rap, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that still makes me laugh now. <laughs> but like you said, you know, two completely defining bands, really, isn't it? You know, have emerged out of each other, like Nirvana and Foo Fighters. You know, they've just completely defined different styles and eras of music. So it's, it, for me, like, you know, I could geek out. I could, I'll have to do like an extra episode where I just talk about them for two hours and go into the production <laughs> techniques. But like, I think for me, I want, we always like to tell a story and, and bring stuff to people, don't we? And there's going to be, again, loads of stuff in the bio for people to get into. Um, you know, it is a dark, dark subject. And some of the people that we speak about, you know, I mentioned on the last pod, the average life for pop stars is 25 years shorter than, than you know, the average person. They, they live in dark places and they put themselves on the line. Um, and, you know, you couple that with people like Ian who's suffering clearly with depression or bipolar or, and obviously epilepsy 
he had as well. Yeah. And in, interestingly, I had a message off a colleague I worked with this morning. He was doing a blog and he was he was asking for some feedback on it. And he was talking about how his niece was his, his hero. You know, his niece is 17 now. And he came to me literally this morning in my inbox. And she's been and she's um, had epilepsy her whole life mm. since she was born. And he sent out um, a, a sort of how positive she is and how full of life. But on the second page, he sent out some really interesting do's and don'ts if you see someone having a seizure. Uh, I won't go through them all now, but it might be something worth us sharing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there is very definite things. You know, I've had I, personal experience, you know, and from myself and from family members with seizures and things. And it is, you could do things wrong, you know, and you could yeah. do things safe, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll look to find some bits and we'll we'll share them. But also to note that on um on our socials on Instagram, I have pinned um sort of a story where we have useful helplines you know so if it is anything on here that you know does bring up things for people or tricky things you know it, it's on there so that you can get in contact with people you know and, and look for that support but yeah i guess it's sort of how how do you round up joy division you know how do we well, do it it's, <laughs> is well, it to be continued you know yeah i think like there's definitely a lot um there's a lot in new order I think. And I think, again, I, I do like to tell stories where, you know, this can happen. You know, I mean, the band decided after he died, they met in the pub pretty much the day or so after and said, we're carrying on. Mm. You know what I mean? And and it was that sense of we're going to do this. And there's a load of New Order songs that were influenced by Ian, obviously. You know, I mean, the one they performed a song called Ceremony with Ian on his last gig at Birmingham. And that became New Order's first single. You know what I mean? Off the back of yeah. it, because they did it. They did it their, their way after. I think for me, the way to sum it up is, you know what? You're not alone. You know, out there, and and sometimes, I mean, he was clearly suffering. I think he was asking for help, but maybe not directly. He was doing it through his through his art, and he was coming from a time where, like you said earlier, it was a lot more difficult to express feeling, particularly among men. I think as well, and come out and say. I'm bloody struggling here and, and I need a hand. I don't think he had yeah. the way of doing that, but through his lyrics and his beauty and his art, which lives on to this day and is, is thriving still to this mm. day, you know, I think I think he was asking it through there. So from my perspective, that's, that's Ian Kurt. There's loads in the blurb. People can't encourage people enough to go in and watch these things. If it's a Wednesday night, Thursday night, and you've got nothing to do, stick these things on. You'll understand a little bit more, a little bit more about him. But that's Ian Curtis and Joy Division. So we're, we're bringing back the 30 second challenge. We've, we've had a bit of a break. We've had some time to practice, to rehearse, to see if we can get under 25 seconds potentially. I've got my stop clock wet ready this time. I don't normally have it. I've actually arrived prepared. So are you ready, Mr. Cook? Uh, I don't know. I just need, yes, I, well, let's go for it. I just feel like I want to bring, we said 20 seconds. I think we're going to have to bring it towards 20, aren't we? But I'm going to stick within 30 for now. Okay. So I'll hold up my fingers. Okay. So I'm bringing in Thread Likely Clothing. You can follow them on Instagram or they've got a web, website, threadlikelyclothing.co.uk. And effectively, their clothes are produced um, using organic, um, ethical, and fully recyclable materials. And they've got some great slogans on them, like, no humans were harmed in the making of this garment, or like, power to the people. I've, wet, re I've worn one in the past before on our, on our Instagram page. So check them out, Thread Likely Clothing. Oh, 27 seconds. It's not bad. Look at that. 
look at that. But yeah, yeah, thread lightly clothing. I know I've I've looked a bit at them and I know you wear quite you wear a few of their things and there's a nice photo of you modeling, modeling for them <laughs> at the top of Timbalem. But um yeah, you know, it's it's it seems like a really good, you know, way to from you know, it's just just a good thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I know we can't profess to be perfect, can we? No. You know, we do still probably buy things that we could have got elsewhere um in a in a more ethical way or recyclable way i just like the idea of, of the clothing um at the end of the day they've got some great logos on they look good they do beanies hoodies t-shirts they do them for kids as well but they are recyclable and you can actually send your clothes back into them when you're finished using oh, them yeah and they'll and they'll and they'll reuse them then and so yeah. they i think they work with a company on the island on the isle of white or whatever but all the materials are organic and, and recyclable so yeah i just i just love the idea of it like you said oh, but, you know and it's yeah. my my way of trying to <laughs> be good from time to time <laughs> so anyway right i remember it took you a while in season one but you got there in the end didn't I did, you i did i'm yeah. expecting that and in fact I, i'm expecting big things now Bryn. so i'll count you in my fingers are up three two one go okay so i'm gonna bring an app i'm gonna bring the calm app and the calm app their goal is to help you improve health and happiness it's a place where you can go and you can get meditations you can get sleep stories it's something i've used and they'll take you on like a journey and they've got quite famous okay. people do readings in there like stephen fry and yeah you go on like a nice one of them like through new zealand you can go catch a train through a forest so the calm app check it out it's really really good Oh, 29.79 seconds. It's almost to the point. Like, you know, but yeah. Maybe that should be the challenge. I, <laughs> I get it bang on. Yeah. Like, you know, but I think I've seen on the advert before, like they get like Killian uh, Murphy to read. But yeah, tell people a yeah. little bit more about Calm. I mean, it's, it's just a useful way. I know people do guided meditations and like, you know, stories to sort of just send you to sleep and to help you. A lot of times when you go to sleep, you'll replay the day in your head and you'll struggle to yeah. switch off. And you really struggle to then naturally fall asleep. So the Calm app will take you on like a guided visualization and a guided journey. Um, you know, and there's there's loads of different ones. You know, I think there's one through Wales. There's like railways up through Scotland. There's Brilliant. imaginary things. And I'm I'm normally asleep before you board the train. You know, so it just <laughs> it works quite well for me. But yeah, you know, check check it out. There's others out there as well, like Headspace and things. But yeah, it's just something different for people. We talk about all the time tools for the toolkit, don't we? We talk yeah. about it. I mean, this makes me think of when you told me when, when the challenge you set me before, the Honest Guys, yeah. you know, bring them back in. Yeah. Because obviously they're a YouTube guided meditation channel. Um, and I still do them from time to time before I start mm. work. You know, I just lie on the floor, you know, and like, you know, relax myself. But those bedtime story ones, we can only say to people things that we found, isn't it? Brim? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Exactly. That, we, that we think are good. Give them a try. If it's for you, great. Put it in the toolkit. If it's not, that's fine. Try something yeah. else, you know, but no, love that, mate. Good shout. It's time to drop anchor on this, this voyage, you know, and, and it's been, yeah, really interesting for me to hear and like to see how passionate you are. You know, obviously about Joy Division and their journey, and you know, I know it. With you know, it inspires a lot of poetry for you. You know, and a lot of writing, and just wondering, yeah, what what have you got for us today? Yeah, I think I do love them. I think there's just and and him in particular, Inca is going back. I think 
he looked like such a normal guy. You know, he worked in the civil service. I love that when he was performing, it almost looked like he'd always be like in trousers and a shirt. And like he'd just taken his tie off, you know, and gone on stage. And there was this other side to him. Do you know what I mean? That he would he would show it to people. So definitely an influence on me. Um, and I talked about the picture I drew, which we we put on the socials the night before we put it out. And I sort of wrote the poem straight after. Yeah. As well, while I was still in that in that space. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of my thinking. But it's called Don't Walk Away. Um, so where are you going? Away. But where? I don't know. Wait, stop. I can't. I have to go. Why? Nobody's listening to me. I am. Nobody understands me. I want to. I'm here. You wouldn't. You couldn't. Try me. I'm scared. I have fears. That's okay. I do too. I don't know where to start. You already have. I feel alone in this world. You're not. Look, I'm right here. I think it's broken. Everything is broken. It can be fixed. Do you think so? I know so. Take my hand. This is hard for me. I understand. Just take my hand. I mean, that, that could be a Joy Division song, couldn't it? You could just hear, hear the drums coming in behind. But for me, I just want to reflect back. Like, that's, that's basically like a therapy session for me. Like how a client will come in and the sort of converse, the subtext, shall we say, the conversation that happens, you know, and yeah, just finishing with take my hand, you know, it's... Nice. Thanks, Mum. Okay, so a heavy one at the start, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. And we do, we've said in the past that some are going to be heavy, some are going to be light. Um, I'm, I make no apologies for it. Um, at the end of the day, I think it raises awareness of, of a lot of things. Um, you know, de depression, the importance of listening, um, epilepsy as well. And we will share some stuff on our on our Instagram that can hopefully help people to to understand seizures a bit better as well. Mm -hmm. um, but just that ongoing need for a conversation, I think, around tricky subjects. And, and we're yeah. both massively passionate about that, mate, aren't we? So um, there you go. But obviously now, this is the bit. This is the main bit. Um, this is where everyone turns off on according to our stats. <laughs> <so>, you know, <laughs> this is the bit where the captain takes us on to our next voyage. So, how are we doing it this time? So, I've tried something different. So, I'll just prepare my voice, and we'll see if this works. <laughs> Oh my goodness me! <laughs> that was so loud. It blew my head off. <laughs> God, you know what though? Yeah. Is that in the theme of Joy Division? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I, sounds I like. Yeah. That sounds like Martin Hannett produced your voice. Like, see when I was being geeky, you keep giving me yeah. opportunities to get geeky. I should have used the chipmunk one instead. <laughs> but get ready, there's loads on there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously this is a time where we set ourselves and, you know, the listener's a challenge. And for me, the one I've got for you, it, it kind of fits in with the theme. I wrote it before, like we even talked. Um, and it's just to listen to music and dance. Oh yeah. I'm all for that. I'm all for it. We do, we do in the house, um, dance with Nora. Nora's just started to dance in her own way. 
Yeah. Um, so she'll just start dancing randomly at random music. Mosh pit. But yeah. we don't mosh pit. You know, yeah. funnily enough, um, uh, you know, I should give a shout out to Johnny actually. Um, he talks about how him and his family nightly have a mosh before the kids <sighs> go to bed. That's class. Yeah. So they stick on some like music, could be Green Day, mm. whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? And then they all jump around in the in the living yeah. room. And then the kids go to bed. <laughs> and like, I thought, what a lovely little. So in line with that, mate. I want to make that a more, you know how much music means to me. Um, it's yeah. always on, but sometimes it's on the background. Sometimes bringing it to the forefront and having a bit of fun as a family. I'll, I'll 100% take that on. Do I need to put a video up? Please do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and get something Just to record. I'll have a photo of being a of blur. will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. And for you, um, I had a few lined up. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go with this one. So I just want you to take, you could do a day if you want to, but at least an evening or some time, screen, screen-free zone, mm-hmm. okay? And that removes television, Netflix, all of that stuff um, for a period of time. You can try it for a day. I mean, it might be like you're at work, you know, and then you come home and then you continue. You're going to need your phone for work, mate. I, I, you know, there's going to be some caveats I appreciate, but making a conscious effort to step away from yeah. screens. Massively, because that's something I'm aware I need to do again. You know, and just mm. get back into reading, you know, and put, I started leaving my phone upstairs more again, which is helping. But yeah, no, I appreciate that one. No, yeah, I'll give a good crack at that. But I just won't text you back. That's the only problem. You know <laughs> I might miss you, Bryn. Like, why are you messing me back? Yeah. <laughs> no, but mate, and also is that you always mentioned about making a start on some books and stuff. And you, you have been, yeah. it's easy sometimes to go, I just got my phone and just just yeah, scroll, exactly. isn't it? So yeah, it it might make you pick that book up or, mm. or you know that that board game up or whatever. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, so end of another episode, and um, thank you for indulging me on that one as well, uh, Bryn, because that was definitely a one-sided sort of pitch from me to to do a to do an episode on this one but hope you enjoyed it as much as as anyone else and um yeah it's been good to get through it i feel like it, it was also therapeutic yeah because i wanted to do it for so long it's, been it's done now yeah, and it was I, one of the first and, ones that was written down so yeah i know i feel i'm feel i'm glad it's done i hope people learned a bit like i said dive into the stuff in the bio as we always yeah. say um but yeah, just uh, before we say goodbye, a couple of shout outs. Uh, Lizzie listened to the Elton John um, episode and she loved it. Um, and she actually said that she didn't know that Elton John did the music for El Dorado. She there loves that film. So there you go, yeah. Bryn. You're like a Jonathan Ross film oh. buff, you know, <laughs> Bring, bringing in these facts and blowing people's minds away. Um, and my wife. So if we get praise from um, my wife, it's the highest of praises. So um, Sarah listened to the Elton one. Now, previously, her favorite was the Amy Winehouse one. Um, and she listens to everyone, but she just thought the Elton one was great. And some of the facts in there, like she said, around Eminem being uh, Elton John being Eminem's alcoholic yeah. anonymous, you know, um, sort of guide and stuff was was really interesting. So we got praise from the wife, mate. So that's yes. that's really Winning. good. <laughs> have you have you had any as well? You want to let? Yeah. Us know? So it's interesting. Like you know, we're still on people boarding for the first voyage. You know, and you know, shout out to Amy who said that she just listened to the Who one. You know, and she's going to start mm. going through and please, yeah, encourage people to listen, you know, and just start, start the journey. But also for um, uh, shout out to Ian as well, you know, and he mentioned about how much he enjoyed the Amy Winehouse one, you know, describing Brilliant. it as a labour of love. But just, 
yeah please you know we really like seeing all your challenge photos any feedback please keep sending it in and to get in touch you know we're, we're on twitter we're at captain and cook one uh instagram is at captain and cook pod or send us emails as well with at captain and cook pod at gmail.com brilliant superb and until next time it's a tarah from me and it's a tarah from him I didn't stop recording before that. <laughs> it's like I said, I always kept it off, but we always do it anyway. And I was like, you've got to get it out. Like, yeah. you know, Brent, I've got to get it out, Brent. That's the thing with me. Like, I'm just one of those people. Yeah. Whether I'm at the supermarket or whether I'm in the shower, I've just got to get it out. I'm going to stop recording now.